rose. So let's stand. Let's stand this morning as we celebrate that day that Christ rose and celebrate this day as he continues to live in us.
You know, this is what God does. He not only wakes up, wakes us up in the morning, he woke up our spirit, he woke up our souls, he changes when we said yes to him. And so uh, Jerry's going to start this song, and we're going to sing about how God love, God's love awakens us. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love 
want to uh, quickly call a couple of things to your attention um, before the ushers come and before Pastor Judy comes and leads us in a word of prayer before the offering. Happy Father's Day. Happy Grandfather's Day. How many fathers do we have out there today? Uh, yeah, okay. How many grandfathers do we have out there today? How many great-grandfathers do we have out there? Bob, you're too young to be a great-grandfather. Put your hand down. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, listen, I've got some good news I just want to share with you. Um, we, have, um, we have not been, um, let's see, for the last two months, uh, Kingdom Kids Daycare has paid the electric bill for the church out of the proceeds of Kingdom Kids Daycare. And that's an amazing thing to happen, seeing how they started in January with three. We're now up to 23, I believe. And um, they are just uh, beginning to pick up bills around the church. And it's amazing, and I praise God for that. That's, that's just amazing. They're going to be tithing out of their income on a weekly basis into a special fund set aside for upgrades for Kingdom Kids Daycare, which the church will benefit from and uh, some other projects that they have in mind for themselves. So I just praise God that God continues to put his hand of blessing on Kingdom Kids and put his hand of healing upon Carrie. It's good to see you in service today. She was in a couple of days last week, I think a total of maybe 10 hours between two days or something like that, maybe 12 hours between two days. And um, one day I actually kicked her out. I said, it's time for you to leave. And... Um, so grateful for what God is doing there. So they're, they are carrying their daily expenses 100%, and I am so thankful for that. The church is not, does not have a line item in the budget for Kingdom Kids Daycare, never did have, never will have, because it's designed for them to carry their own expenses, carry their own way. So we praise God for that. We fully anticipate they'll be at 35, 35 students by September. <laughs> Won't that be exciting? And uh, I just want to let you know that following the service today, uh, we're going to take one, one final little push for our world quizzers to get them off to world quiz. And so at the end of service today, our ushers will come by and uh, we'll take one more offering from that. If you haven't had a chance to give, that'll be your opportunity to do so. And I believe Ella and... Um, uh, Zahara are going to be involved in helping to pass that plate so you get a chance to see their face one more time and pray for them. So I'm going to ask the gentlemen, well, they're already here, so I'm going to ask Pastor Judy if she would come and pray or offer our offering this morning. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, for the opportunity to come 
because we know that we are created for your glory, and we offer up our praise through these songs. We offer up our praise and honor and glory to you, for you are our creator, and it all belongs to you. We thank you, Father, that you have given to us in such a great and mighty way. Now may we give back to you a portion of what you've given to us, and may it be used to further the kingdom that you have established here. And we just pray, Father, that each gift and giver will be blessed this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. just want to see about this next song. It's a, it's a new one. We've not done it before. You may have heard it. You may not have. I, I try to be careful and not throw too many new songs at once because I want to be I want us all to have a chance to worship together. I don't want you to ever have the feeling that the worship team is just kind of running off and leaving you and we're just kind of singing songs and not including you. But uh, I just want you to, to join with us in worship. Even if you don't know the song, agree. If, if, you, if the words mean something to you, if you agree with those, and not that you can agree in your, in your hearts that these words are true. This, the song is about, some, some of the things the song is about is just, uh, just surrendering, surrendering ourselves, just surrendering ourselves in worship uh, to God. And... Uh, Thanking him for all the things he's done for us. So we hope this song blesses you.
Praising my Savior all the day long that Jesus has saved me, Jesus has delivered me. Oh God, purify our hearts and our minds this morning. Bring us into that place, we pray. That place where you speak to our hearts and to our minds. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise. Father, we lift up our teens, our little mission trip group that's wandering around out in the desert. <laughs> oh, God, be with them. Be with them. Encourage Pastor Brad's heart. Father, I just pray, encourage him today. Let him know. Let him know that you are his strength. Be with them and protect them, we pray, dear Jesus. Father, we're getting ready to do Vacation Bible School in July. We're going to have a short meeting today after the service with everybody that's volunteered and, and make some job assignments and start getting studied up and excited. And Father, I just pray that you would put a passion in our hearts and a desire to reach into the lives of children as they come. Oh, God, we don't just do this for the fun of it. We don't just do this for something to do. It's work. We get done at the end of the week and we're tired. We're physically tired and emotionally drained. But Father, I pray that, that we would be ignited with a compassion of Jesus to touch children for Jesus Christ. God, send a revival into our hearts. Send a renewed sense of passion and urgency in this world in which we live. We'll be careful to step back and give you praise and glory for who you are.
And all God's people said, amen. Before you're seated, would you just shake hands with one another? Give somebody a holy hug or a holy handshake or a holy kiss. kids to come up front have a little story yeah here he comes Landon you're the man <laughs> for all the fathers that are here today we want to again wish you happy Father's Day we have a small token of appreciation and love for you at the end of the service want to make sure that our Vacation Bible School volunteers are all here following the service so we can give you some instruction. Uh, Jennifer Decker will be here. She'll have some books to hand out, some directions. Sets have already been worked on. They're in the uh, fellowship hall. Um, I noticed there was a note on them. It said, hello, good morning. Please do not touch me. My glue is not dry. So, <laughs> But very exciting. A rocket ship has been built. Smokestacks being built. All kinds of stuff is happening behind the scenes while we're getting ready for Vacation Bible School. Maker Fun Factory is the name of our Bible school this year, and I hope you kids are all going to be there. How many of you go on a, ever go on a trip? You go on vacation, you go someplace, you go to somebody's house, you visit. Okay, how many of you know, I know this is a really tough question to answer, how many of you know what a map is? Have you ever seen a map? What's a map? Pirates? A pirate map. Okay. Yeah, there were pirate maps. Pirates are not real. Okay. Pirates are real. She says they're real. You say they're not real. Are. Okay. Somebody else. What's a map? A map is, a, is something that y helps you find your way and tells you where to go and how to get there. Yeah? Yeah. This boy is going to be a preacher. A map is like Jesus. He tells you where to go. Wow. Enough said. Because you took the sermon right out of my mouth. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, he said to the people, one time they were out, and, and, and he said, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and where I'm going, uh, you don't know, I mean, where I'm going, I will make a room for you, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll build something for you, and I'll, a mansion, and so forth. And one of the disciples looked at him and says, well... We don't know where you're going. How do we know how to get there? And he looked at him and he said this. And this is the road map. Hey, guys. You, gentlemen. Yes, you. Thank you. My turn. Okay, you can have your turn in a little bit with Jennifer, Miss Jennifer. Ha! 
She loves me for that. No, and Jesus looked at the disciples and said this. And maybe you can finish the verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's right. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is our roadmap. You know what? Jesus is our roadmap. And when we get lost in life, do you know why we get lost in life? Because we're not following him. We're not following the roadmap that he gave us. And you're going to learn today about finding the way and following the way and knowing the way and learning the way. And I want to tell you this. I want to remind you of this. Jesus said, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. One more time. Maybe I can get everybody in here to say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he followed it by saying, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to get to God, and it's through Jesus. Jesus is the roadmap that gets us to life and to godliness. When is Vacation Bible School? Do you know? When is it? When is it? Not what is it, when is it? You don't know when it is? Do you know when it is? No, it's not June 2nd, because June 2nd already happened. I know what it is too, it's Vacation Bible School. But when is it? Can you say July, what? No, not July 2nd. I know when it is, it's the second we get there. No, it's July 10 through 14. Can you say that? July 10 through 14. July 10 through 14, that's when Vacation Bible School is. Right now, you're going to go to your classes and you're going to learn more about what the prophets had to say about finding their way. When are you going to learn about what? The bad guys? I don't know. You said the bad guys don't exist, the pirates. <laughs> One of my older kids left. I was going to have her read some scripture. It's okay. Good morning. How are you? How's life? Is it good? All right. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I just want to give a quick explanation uh, in case there's ever any, any question or doubt. Um, someone raised the question about where faith promise money goes. And I want you to know that faith promise money comes in and it is one of the few things that we do here in the church. 100% of what comes in in faith promise is 100% that goes out in faith promise. It doesn't go past go. It doesn't collect $200. Although it'd be nice if it did on the way through. But it, it, it goes strictly out. If you write a check and it says $80 to faith promise, believe me, on Monday morning when the checks are written, there's $80 that goes to faith promise. Faith promise goes to world evangelism. Faith promise goes to the Jesus film. Faith promise goes to pension benefit because it helps to pay the missionaries their health care and their retirement benefits. Faith promise just goes a whole lot of places and does a whole lot of things within the denomination of the Church of the Nazarene um, in, in the way of missions. Some of your faith promise even helps with home mission church starts on our very own district because um, uh, 
because that's the way it's set up. And, and there are several home mission church starts on our district, which is called the South Texas District. And so uh, I just wanted to clear that up in case you had a question about it and let you know that we're pretty careful about when people give money specifically to something, that that's exactly where it goes. We, um, there's times when we'd like to use it for something else, but we feel convicted of the Holy Spirit that if we did, we'd be in serious, serious trouble. So just wanted you to know that. I've got a card here from Josh Stewart. He says, Pastor Roger, Pastor Brad, and church family, thank you so much for the wonderful journal. An amazing book by Max Locato. Thank you so much. They are greatly treasured. I, I greatly treasure Josh and his uh, love for God. Um, he's a young man who chases God, and uh, it does my heart good when I know that he's chasing God in his prayer life and in his Bible reading life. And it's just uh, exciting to watch him. Uh, don't forget, if you're involved in Vacation Bible School, this is the third time I'm saying this, if you signed up, and even if you didn't sign up, you need to sign up for Vacation Bible School. There's a leaders meeting right afterwards. Everybody that has volunteered to sign up, we're meeting with you immediately following the service. Uh, a gentleman wrote this. He said, "My this is a father. He says, my 16-year-old daughter can remember what somebody was wearing a year ago at a Christmas party she can't remember to make her bed every morning. My 13-year-old son can tell you the value of nearly every card he has in his sport card inventory, but he can't quite remember to put the cordless phone back on the charger when he's done. Now, that's if you've got a home landline. So that was taken from a few years ago. Um, I'm not picking on kids, so I'll give you this one. This one has to do directly with fathers. It says that some of us men can tell you the score of Super Bowl 22, but can't remember what our wives asked us to get at the market when we went. <laughs> Come home with everything but what she asked for, yeah? Oh, man, I'm telling you, sometimes, sometimes. Well, I, I just want to bring a message this morning that speaks uh, not only to fathers, but to the entire family. You say, well... Uh, my children are raised, uh, but you, some of you have grandchildren. Say, well, I don't have grandchildren yet, but you probably will. Or you might come in contact with children along the way. Or we have teenagers and children in this church for whom you can pray and you can think about. Uh, several years ago, uh, there was a book that came out by uh, uh, Elvin Toffler, and it was, in Korea, it, was, it was entitled Future Shock. And he tells us in that book that changes happens so quickly that many times we're often living in the future, but we're still adjusting to the changes of the past. We're still adjusting to the changes of yesterday. Do you find that to be true? The change happens so quickly that sometimes you're still trying to catch up with what happened last week. Uh, they did a survey several years ago concerning the future, and they asked parents if they thought the best days to raise children is in the past or in the future. And interestingly enough, 92% of the parents said they felt the best days to raise children is in the past. 92% said they felt the best days to raise children are in the past. Wow. Now, when you think about that, about raising children today, I'll tell you, it scares me spitless. I would not want to be a 25 or 30-year-old parent today raising children in this society. 
consequently, it is on all of our shoulders to be praying for our young families, those young parents. It's not only more difficult to be a parent than at any time in our history, I believe it's more difficult to be a child. Our children are introduced through the school system and through social media. They're introduced to things that I didn't know anything about until I was adolescent, preteen, teenager. The pressures upon our children are much more enormous than what the pressures were that, that I held, that I had when I was a child. Every generation has its pressures and challenges, but I believe it's getting tougher. And 80% in that same survey, 80% of the parents felt the same way. Interestingly enough, when asked the question concerning the children and raising them as a parent, 85% of the parents said they felt uncertain how to raise their child effectively in our current society. In America, we're solid, we're confident, we know where we're going. At least we used to. You realize that 85% of American parents today are uncertain about how to raise their children? And I think the message this morning is what parents owe their children or days gone by, what we owed them, what we owe them today, and what we owe them in the future. Again, a, a survey, and I think I put this one in your notes. The trait that parents want children to possess, 63% of parents said they want their children to have a sense of responsibility. Uh, is this going to come up on the screen or is there anybody up there? Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to call for that video. Stop the video. I just want to let y'all know that. Stop the video. No matter what. Okay. I'm sorry. I just went right into my message and I forgot to talk about this video. Uh, I think we need to celebrate the growth, the spiritual growth in, in people, particularly our young people, when we see it and, and, and we observe it. And every once in a while I see something on Facebook. And I'm going, wow, you know what? That's worthy of all of us participating in. So now we're going to play the video. Okay. Good morning, Facebook. Um, I just want to let y'all know that um, no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. Because God says he will never leave us or forsake us. God is always with us. God is for us, not against us. There's no one that can defeat us if we have God first in our lives. God is an amazing God. He's an everlasting God. He is a jealous God. We need to learn how to live more for Christ and less of this world. We need to be empty and be full of Jesus Christ. Jesus is an everlasting God. And people make videos to get all these views and all these likes and all these comments. But me, however many views I get and how many ever comments I get, that's who needs to hear it. God allows people to hear his word in his time, not our time. Because if we do this for ourselves and for the publicity and not for God, we will surely fail. And then the right message will not be appointed. And we just need to know that whatever you're going through and you trust in God and you believe in God, when you come out of this fight and out of this storm, you will be made whole, you will be made stronger, and your faith will be stronger. God says, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in God and know that he has you. God says, cast all your cares and worries upon me. And God says 365 times in the Bible, do not worry, do not worry. 
Because he is Lord, he is King. And the tomb is empty. And the stone is rolled away. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we can face today. We just need to know that Jesus is King. And that no matter what you're going through, you are not alone. I know we have doubts. I know we have fears. But God says, fear no man but me. And God is going to get you through the storm. He will redeem you. He will make you whole. I just want to let you know that y'all are loved and truly wanted by the almighty God. God does not shun nobody. God does not knock nobody down. God does not condemn nobody. He loves all. And God says we are made in his image. So we need to go out and be more like him each and every day of our lives. And I just want whoever sees this to know that you're loved and you're truly wanted. And God will never let you down. God will never leave you, forsake you. You're never alone. And then when you come through this, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. God is just an amazing God. There's power in the name of Jesus. God wants us to be still and know that he is God. And we just need to walk in faith and just know that he is king. And that no matter what you're going through, you will surely overcome it. I just want to share that with you guys. And uh, just know that God loves you and I love you. Keep God first in your life. Have a good day. Okay. Awesome. That's good. So every once in a while I run across something that somebody's doing. That was Dustin. And God is working in his life. And I just wanted to share that with you because that's a tremendous testimony of what he's allowing God to do in his life. And he's growing by leaps and bounds. And praise God for that. Well, we're in days gone by. Okay. Sorry about that, AJ. I knew what you were, now I know what you were waiting for because I gave him some instructions. I'm going to call for this video. So, well, we're in this survey that traits that parents want their children to possess. 63% of parents said they want their children to have a sense of responsibility. They want them to have a sense of responsibility. That was number one desire for parents. They have a sense of responsibility. 49% wanted their children to have good manners and treat people well and treat them well. That's good. I want my children to do that. 45% wanted children to be tolerant about people in life. 36 want their children to possess a meaningful faith. They want their son and their daughter or their daughter to have whatever faith they had at that time. They wanted their children to grow up with a meaningful faith. 29% they wanted their children to be independent so as they grow up in life, they will be able to be successful. Those are good. Those are good. There's nothing wrong with those. Well, at the Huff House, our list looked like something a little bit different, and I'm going to share that with you because I see some of you are still writing, and that's good because you can take this home and uh, you can share it with somebody. And if you're looking by Facebook today, welcome. Thank you for doing that. If you're on the internet by the web broadcast, we welcome you as well. Chris and I talked often about what we wanted for our children. We were 10 years before we had our first child. 
Um, part of that was by choice. Part of it was uh, by an intervention of cancer into Chris's life that God miraculously intervened. Um, uh, previous to that experience, uh, almost hardly any women would ever have children after the type of cancer that she had. But God wa is a miracle-working God, and we have two miracle children, and we're just thankful for that. So praise God for that. So we had a lot of time to talk about kids. And here's what we, here's what we put down as our list. Number one, we wanted our children to love and obey God. This is, this is the Huff list, Okay. Did I? Yeah, here we go. The Huff House list. We wanted our children to love and obey God. Of course, we want our children to love God, but shouldn't we want them to obey God? You see, part of the great, great commandment says not only to teach them about me, but it says teach them to what? Obey. How do you teach someone to obey? That's a tough assignment. Fathers, that's a tough assignment to teach your children to obey. The second thing that we talked about was we want them, wanted them to have a good self-image. We wanted Brent and Jennifer to grow up with a good self-image, realizing that the saboteur of life is a poor self-image and the people that have it are constantly putting themselves down. Do you know that there are adults today that still struggle with self-esteem? 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80-year-old people still struggling with self-esteem in their lives. Number three, we wanted our children to take responsibility for their choices, realizing that we're responsible to them, but we are not responsible for them. We're responsible for them while they're growing up, but there comes a point in time when the children become responsible for their own choices. Let me tell you one... One of the things that we did with our kids when they got to a certain age, and if you still have kids at home, you might want to remember this. I can't remember how old they were, but I remember that we sat down with them and we said, okay, we're going to make a list because we don't want to fight and we don't want to fuss and stew and everything else about what goes on. So we sat down and we said, what's a list of things that you do wrong? You know, we made that list. Well, I don't pick up my clothes, or I do this, or I sass mom, or I sass dad. And we put all these things down, and then we said, okay, what do you think is an appropriate discipline for those things? What do you think we should, what's the punishment? Well, we think the punishment should be this, and of course, we're on the other side going, well, we think the punishment ought to be a little more severe than, the, you know, two minutes of time out, or whatever the case might be. But we negotiated, and we finally got to a place where they said, okay, that's fine. And you know what happened? When it came time for disobedience to take place and they decided that they were going to do something they didn't like or that, that they, that, you know, be misbehaved, all we had to do was go to the refrigerator door, take the list down, wave it in front of their face and say, and what is the punishment for that? I don't know. We put the list back on the refrigerator door and there were no arguments. There were no words. There was no shouting match. There was no attempt to make myself superior. It worked like that. And as they got older, the list got different. The punishment got different. The disciplines got different. And there finally came a point when they were in 11th and 12th grade when they would come and say, you know, we'd like to, we'd like to extend our curfew tonight. I said, okay, fine. What are you planning to do? Well, we're planning to do this and this. Okay. So can we? And we looked down and said, it's up to you. 
Oh, no, no, tell me if I can or not. I said, no, it's up to you. We've taught you. We've given you handles. We've given you tools for life. It's time for you to make your own decisions. Oh, man, why don't you just tell me what I can do? I said, no, it's time for you to make that choice. Lo and behold, they'd ask for curfew to be extended by a half hour or 45 minutes or an hour. I'd be sitting up at home, and lo and behold, they'd come walking in a half hour before their regular curfew. I said, what are, you, what are you home for? You asked to extend your curfew. Dad, you know what they're doing. You know what's going on there. And I said, well, I knew that. I assumed you knew that. But you're the one that asked to extend your curfew, and you made the choice to go there. Yeah, but we couldn't stay there. Something right is happening here. Now they, pardon me? No, we're, you fill those in as we go along in the service. You fill them in as we go along in the service. They're coming up, the answers are coming up on the screen. On the screen up here. Okay, just, just follow along with the service. That's fine. So we wanted our children to take responsibility for their choices. Fourthly, we wanted them to have a positive mental attitude. From the very time I can remember that our kids could understand anything, I began to point to them to this, this little statement. Life is 10% what happens to you. Can anybody finish it? And 90% how you respond to what happens to you. You see, it's the 90% where most of us live. Something happens and we get all upset and we're living in this 90% reaction to what happened to us when in fact what happened to us is really insignificant. Number five, we wanted them to have a thankful spirit. Have you taught your children to have a thankful spirit? Have you taught your grandchildren to have a thankful spirit? You know, I can, I can point out to you in Walmart the children that don't have a thankful spirit. They're the ones that go screaming down the aisle because mommy said no, that they're not going to buy another toy. You already have five of those, Johnny. You don't need a sixth one. Those are things that we wanted for Brent and Jennifer in our lives. Here's the six things we owe our children on this Father's Day, on this Parents' Day. Number one, we owe them unconditional love. There should never, ever be a time in our lives when we look at our children and say, I don't love you. I don't love you because of what you did. I don't love you because of how you're behaving. I don't love you. Is there ever a time when God looks at you and says, I don't love you? No. Jesus had this unconditional love that was demonstrated when he was on this earth. God had this unconditional love and that he sent his only begotten son Jesus into this world in the first place. The father did not say when the, when, the boy, when the son came home, hey son, where's the money? He didn't say, you know, I remember before you left, I told you if you went to that far off country, you'd mess yourself up. He didn't look at the prodigal son and say to his son, I want to tell you something, you smell like a pigsty. He didn't look at his son and say, well, I hope you've learned your lesson and cross his arms. He didn't look at his son and say, Kid, did you get some girl in trouble? That father ran 
to that son and he put his arms around that son. He killed the fatted calf. He threw a party and he said, my wayward son is home again. And that's exactly what Jesus does with us. And that's exactly how we are to respond to our children. I read a book once by a noted author and it said this, are your children like our children. They call home collect when they wreck the car. You can tell how old this book was. They were away for the summer. They broke up with a friend. They wrecked the car. They wanted to drop out of school. They felt alone. They needed a ride. They wrecked the car. They wanted to make it right. They needed money. They wanted to strangle a teacher. They wrecked the car. They needed to cry. They wanted to celebrate. They wrecked the car. You notice anything that keeps popping up here? (laughs) They wrecked the car. I like the the advertisement, I don't, I don't know what insurance company it is, but right now the kid comes home and he says, okay, before anything else happens, I want you to know that I've taken a picture, I've already called the insurance company, and the mother sits up in bed and she's just listening patiently, and, and he's going, and so, is everything okay? And the mother says, you're grounded for a month. You know, yeah, everything's okay, but you're just grounded for a month. Unconditional love provides a couple of things in the lives of our children. Security, number one, you really want your kids to be secure emotionally and psychologically, love them unconditionally. Intimacy takes place. All of a sudden, there's a freedom to share. You know what? When there's an unconditional love, your kids understand that they can come to you with anything. They don't have to hide anything. There's a, it creates a nurturing environment. Fathers talk about mom in a positive way. My father was a driver. Hmm. Can't imagine that. He was a leader, but my mother was our incredible security. All three of us kids got our nurturing environment from a mother that was like a rock. All three of us were also driven. We got that driven character from a father who was driven passionately. The first thing we need to ask ourselves is on the basis, is on this basis, do we love our child? Do we love our child on the basis of performance? Do we love our children on the basis of behavior? Do we love our children on the basis of career choice? Do we love our children on the basis of compliance? Do we love our children on the basis of potential? Do we love our children on the basis of need? Or do we love them just because they belong to us? No strings attached, unconditional love. The second thing that we owe our children is this. I was amused when the survey said 59% of parents say they feel they discipline their child correctly, but 81% of them disapprove of the way other parents discipline their children. (laughs) I like that, you know. (laughs) Oh, I disciplined my child okay. Did you see what he did to discipline? Yeah. The common, obvious teenage complaint when they're denied a request and they feel like we're picking on them What is it? You don't trust me. Well, you just don't trust me. That issue with children, kids, teenagers, the issue is not trust. I do trust you, but we don't trust your inexperience. I don't trust the fact that you don't have enough life under your belt yet to be able to make those kinds of decisions. 
not because you've got a low IQ, not because you're incapable, not because you're talented. You just have to understand, I didn't make that decision until I was 43 years old, and now you are 13 years old, and you want to make that decision for yourself. And by the way, at 43, I got in trouble because I made the wrong decision. At 13, you're about to make the wrong decision that I made at 43, and I'm trying to protect you from making that wrong decision so it doesn't have anything to do with your IQ. It has to do with the experience. A police department wrote several years ago 11 rules for raising delinquent children. I thought it was interesting it came from the police department. Number one was give your child everything he wants. This way they grow up believing the world owes them everything. Oh, do we live in that society? Number two, when he picks up bad words, laugh at him. I've seen parents do that. A kid will rattle off with some very foul language and the parents just go, oh, isn't that cute? No, it's awful. Number three, never give him any spiritual training. Let him wait until he's 21 and let them decide for themselves. Number four, avoid using the word wrong. Did I say that? Oh, the wrong word. I put that in there wrong. Avoid using the wrong, no, it's right. It's not wrong. Avoid using the wrong word. No, the word wrong. I'll get this right. Don't ever tell him that he's wrong. And they'll, that will condition them. So that when they're arrested for stealing a car, he'll understand, he'll think that society's against him and he's being persecuted. Why is this happening to me? He doesn't understand the word wrong. Number five, pick up everything he leaves laying around. Books, shoes, clothing. Do everything for them so they will be experienced in throwing all responsibility to somebody else. <laughs> Number six, let them read any printed material they can get their hands on. Be sure to sterilize the silverware. Be sure to sterilize the drinking glasses, but let their mind feast on garbage. And let me say, don't put the remote in their hand either. And let me say this. Oh, man, you're just going off over here. My kids graduated from high school and moved out of the house and never had a television in their own room or a computer or electronic gadgets. Man, am I old-fashioned. You go to your bedroom to go to bed and go to sleep at night. You don't go in your bedroom to watch TV until 2 o'clock in the morning or sit on Facebook until 3 o'clock in the morning. Sorry, Facebook people, but you shouldn't be on Facebook at 3 o'clock in the morning either. Have you ever noticed that? Some people are posting at 3.30 in the morning. They're going, what are you doing awake? Go to sleep. And never mind. That's just my own personal thing. Number seven, parents, listen to this. Make sure that you quarrel in the presence of your children. This way they'll not be shocked when home is broken up later. <laughs> Number eight, give the child all the spending money they want. Never let them learn their own way. Why should he have things as tough as you had them? The problem is, is that when I was a kid, I paid for everything I got. Number nine, satisfy their every craving for food, drink, and comfort. See that every sensible desire is gratified. Denial may lead to harmful frustrations after all. <laughs> Number 10, always take your child's part against neighbors, teachers, and police. They're always prejudiced against your children. Your child is never wrong, right? 
Number 11, and when they get into real trouble, apologize for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with that child. Never could do anything with that child. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. By the way, I just want to take a minute and I want to pay for, pray for Pastor Brad. He just texted me. He said, you're reading texts in the pulpit. I don't very often get them, but I got this one. And because they've had two blowouts and things are not going the way that they planned on, he said, I'm just a wreck. I'm a nervous wreck. He pulled over and he let Sabrina drive today because he's just, he's just, um, I'll tell you what he said, the word that he used. Um, he said, I am, I'm just really shooken up. <laughs> That's what he said. Dear Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that you'd reach into Pastor Brad's heart. Just touch his life. Bring a calm and a sense of peace to his mind and to his heart. Be with him, I pray. No further incidents in the name of Jesus. Satan, just take your hands off. This group of people, they are about God's work. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would direct their paths from this moment on. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 11. The Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. Be patient when you are being corrected. How many of you like to be corrected? It's your favorite thing in the world. You just love it when somebody comes and says, you know, um, I don't want to disrespect you, but I really think... And then they begin to lay out this thing. And sometimes the very first thing that comes to your mind is, excuse me, but you're picking a toothpick out of my teeth and you got this two-by-four hanging out of your mouth. You're banging my head with it. You know, God is not particularly, um, um, what's the word I want, particular when he needs to correct us. And sometimes he uses people that we sh think shouldn't be correcting us to correct us. Sometimes he uses people that have issues in their lives to come to us and speak us, to us and correct us. But the fact of the matter is God wants to correct us because he loves us. We should want to correct our children because we love them. And when we correct them and when we use correct discipline, it will cause children to respect us. It will not do the opposite. I trust me, believe me, when we use the correct discipline at the correct moment for the correct reason, it will cause people to respect us. It will call, uh, cause our children to respect us. It will cause our children to do the right thing. It will cause our children to live at peace because those are the promises that are given and the Lord corrects the people he loves, disciplines those he calls his own. Be patient when you are be being corrected. For if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and be at peace. There's only one way to be at peace. It's when we're doing the right thing. I know a lot of people that are not peaceful because they're not doing the right thing. They're doing the wrong thing. They go to bed at night and they go right on Facebook at 2.30 in the morning because they may not be doing the right thing. No, I'm sorry. I, just, I, I, I digress. Number three thing that we owe our children is time together. I have watched in restaurants as families come in to sit down these days. They're coming in as a family, sitting down as a family, ordering as a family, and all of a sudden the table is very quiet and I look over here and here's two adults and three children. 
and they're all on these phones. And I'm going, this is not time together. You are still in your own world. You have excluded people out of your life. The most, the most loving people of your life, you're excluding them. And for, you know, until their food comes, they've got this thing going and they're not talking to each other. And I'm going, oh my word. My wife gets after me because I have a tendency to pay attention to this sometimes. And so lately I've been trying to practice going out to eat or going someplace with my wife and I, either I leave it in the car or I just turn it face down and I don't pay any attention to it while we're together. Husbands, fathers, <coughs> time together. How parents spend time, family time together, 86% said they watch TV together. 80% spend 30 minutes talking to their child. I think watching TV together might work, but I really don't think it works because you're all still not talking to each other. 73% do homework together. There's a good one. 69% go out to a restaurant to have a good time together if they put their phones away. 59% take a trip to a special place. Have you seen the latest commercial about the guy? He's got two children and his wife in the car. You say, why do you see all these children? Why do you see all these commercials? Because I watch the Weather Channel. And, and they all have their earplugs in and their phones out, and he's talking away, and he says, oh, I just love it when we go on vacation because they're all in their own world, little world, and I get to be in my own little world, and nobody knows that I'm getting payments from my insurance company for being a safe driver, and nobody, and my wife, and she doesn't even know that I bought a new putter, <laughs> and she just smiles at him and keeps on going. You know, it's that kind of that kind of thing and um, spending time together 49% play some type of game together games <coughs> man when's the last time you played a game 23% have done gone to some kind of a good cultural experience together 13% have gone to a movie or a theater together there's an old writer I like her she is no longer with us but she's written some good stuff and I'm going to wrap this up real quick her name was Irma Bombeck, and she wrote this. When the children have grown up, one of these days you'll shout, why don't you kids grow up and act your age? And they will. Or, you guys get outside and find yourself something to do and don't slam the door, and they will. You'll straighten up the boys' bedroom neat and tidy. Bumper stickers discarded, spread, tucked, and smooth. Toys displayed on the, uh, on the shelf and hangers in the closet. Animals caged, and you'll say aloud, Now I want it to stay this way. And it will. You'll prepare a perfect dinner with a salad that has not been picked to death and cake with no finger traces in the icing. And you'll say, Now there's a meal for company. And you'll eat it all alone. There'll be no more plastic tablecloths stained with spaghetti and no more bedspreads to protect the sofa from damp bottoms. No more gates to stumble over at the top of the basement stairs. You'll have no more anxious nights under a vaporizer tent. No more sand in the sheets or Popeye movies in the bathroom. No more iron-on patches, wet knotted shoestrings, tight boots, rubber bands for ponytails. Imagine a lipstick with a point on it. No babysitter for New Year's Eve, washing only once a week, having your teeth cleaned without a baby on your lap. No PTA meetings. No carpools, no blurring radios, no one washing their hair at 11 o'clock at night, having your own roll of scotch tape. Think about it. There'll be no more Christmas presents. You're out of toothpicks, library paste, no more sloppy oatmeal kisses, 
no, no tooth fairy, no giggles in the dark, no knees to heal, no responsibility, only a voice crying, why don't you grow up? And the echo of silence saying, I did. Fathers, how you're raising your kids. Fourthly, a Christian role model. Children do what children see. If both parents attend church, 72% of the children remain faithful. If only dad attends church, 55% remain faithful. If only mom, 15% remain faithful. Wow, dads, did you get that message? If neither attend, only 6% remain faithful. It's interesting that the Hebrew word for parent and teacher is the same. In other words, as parents, we're to be teachers. As fathers, we're teachers. Children live what they learn. If the child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If he lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If the child lives with fairness, they learn justice. If they live with security, they learn faith. If they learn, live with approval, they learn to like themselves. And they live with acceptance and friendship, they learn to love the world. Train up a child in the way he should go. And the other part of that proverb that I made up and tacked on to the end of it, and walk that way yourself once in a while. Number five, mutual respect. We need to give our children mutual respect because it affects their personality and it affects their pressures and how they handle the pressure of life. And number six, a foundation for the future. As parents, we should give our children two things in that foundation. Number one, roots. The security system of their life is the roots that you help them put down. And secondly, is wings. You don't raise children to hold on to them. You raise children to let them go. And there comes a point in time when every parent, when every father lets go of their children and says, go fly. Go fly. If, if you have ever watched that in the bird family, it's a terrifying and horrible and yet rewarding thing because you will watch a parent bird literally push the bird out of the nest. And I have seen that bird fall to the ground on the grass below and not fly. And the parent swoops down, nurturing it, keeps pushing it. And all of a sudden, the next day, and I don't know how the bird got back up in the nest, but I see that bird being pushed out of the nest again. But this time, it spreads its wings and begins to fly. God didn't give us children to hold on to them and keep them under our wing the rest of our lives. God gave us children to push them out to help replenish and regenerate and evangelize the world I'm going to close with this. There's 12 ways we need to pray for our kids. You say, well, I don't have any kids. That's fine. You do have children if you attend this church. And this is it. 
Number one, pray that they will know Christ as Savior early in their life. That is why in junior church, that is why in the daycare, we are teaching them about Jesus Christ so that hopefully they will receive Christ at a very early age. But fathers, let me tell you something. That's your job to lead your children to Jesus. Go in their bedroom, sit on the edge of their bed, and ask them the question, Johnny, have you received Jesus into your heart? And you pray with them. Next, that they will have a hatred for sin. Thirdly, that they will be caught when guilty. I like praying that one. Lord, just let him get caught if he's doing anything wrong. That they will be protected from the evil one in each area of their lives, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Number five, that they will have a responsible attitude in all their personal relationships. Number six, that they will respect those in authority over them. Number seven, that they will desire the right kind of friends and be protected from the wrong friends. Number eight, that they will desire, I'm sorry, uh, that they will, as well as their mate, will be kept pure until marriage. That's almost unheard of in this day and age. Nine, that it be kept from the wrong mate and saved for the right one. Ten, that they would totally submit to God and actively resist Satan in all circumstances. Eleven, that they would be sick-hearted over sin and wrong, willing to be sold out to Jesus Christ. And number twelve, that they will be hedged in so they cannot find the wrong people in the wrong places and the wrong people cannot find their way to them. Fathers, on this Father Day, are you praying over your children and your grandchildren? Are you asking them the tough questions? Are you leading them in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Are you modeling for them Christ-likeness? Would you pray with Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your example. When I look at you as a father, you're a good, good father. And you provide good things for your children. The best thing you provided was your son, Jesus Christ. You gave everything so that we might live. And that, oh, Heavenly Father, is exactly what you're calling us to do on this Father's Day as fathers to our children, as grandpas to our grandchildren, you're asking us to sell out so that those children may come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, for those that are in this place that say, well, my children are grown and gone and my grandchildren are far apart from me, then I pray that you would give them a burden for the children of this church and that they would pray daily for them and lift them up before the throne. And they would pray these 12 things over them so that the children of this church would come to know Jesus and come to experience him and they would be able to watch us and know how to live Christianly. I pray these things in your precious name. Amen.
starts our summary movie schedule would be uh, the Rachel Scott story, but not Joseph and Rachel Scott. Not that Rachel Scott. It's the Rachel Scott that was involved in Columbine Hills in Colorado several years ago when they came in and opened fire and, and killed several students. And it's her story. And I would encourage you to set that night aside. There'll be, um, it's pizza night that night. And there'll be pizza and snacks and drinks and chips and so forth. Bring a lawn chair because we typically push some of these chairs out of the way, put it up on the big screen, and uh, just have a good night. So that's next Sunday night. Um, I'm not ashamed. Um, next month, on the last Sunday of the month, the movie is The Case for Christ. It's the story of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was an atheist most of his life until he fell in love with Jesus, and it's his story. And it's a, it's a great film, so you'll not want to miss that. Uh, connection groups for men and women tonight. Men meet over in the youth center. Uh, battery. Oh, sorry. Uh, men meet over in the youth center, and the women meet in this room over here. And uh, that's so people can be coming out for that. Um, vacation Bible school teachers and leaders for the fourth time this morning, right after church, fellowship hall. Meet with Miss Jennifer. She'll be there to hand out some leaders' guides and so forth and make sure that uh, everybody knows what's happening for vacation Bible school. At this point, I'd like for Ella, I see her back there. Is Zahara back there as well? Oh, so her dad's going to do it for her today. Get that offering plate in your hand, Ronnie. Just pretend that Ronnie stands about three foot seven and that he is uh, uh, 10 years old and his name is not Ronnie, it's Zahara. Okay, we're just going to take an offering, one more offering for our world quizzers before they go. Father God, we just pray that uh, your hand of safety and protection will be on our world quizzers as they leave out on Thursday to go to the World Quiz International at Indianapolis to compete with hundreds of other kids. Keep them safe, we pray, as you go with Miss Jennifer. Keep your hand of protection upon them. Again, Father, we pray that you'd be with Pastor Brad and the teens and Sabrina as they continue on their journey this morning, Lord God. Safe from here on out in the name of Jesus. Now bless this, we pray, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
Lord Jesus Christ go with you from this place. May he fill you with his joy. May he fill you with his peace. May he fill you with his strength and his courage to face another day in this world in which we live. May he also grace you with the ministry of the Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus Christ with whomever you come in contact by his design and by his plan. In his name, amen. God bless you.